Welcome rock and metal fans. Coming to you from the barns of Amish country and pastures of cows are those two bad boys of rock and metal. B1 Bomb and the Smuts. Bringing you the best rock and metal bands from the 80s and 90s. And today, playing and discussing music from the featured bands with special guests, interviews, contests, and much more. So grab a beer and turn it up. It's time for the Headbangers Vault. Hey, this is the B1 Bomb from Headbangers Vault. Coming at you live from the Garage of Destiny. The Smuts isn't with us tonight because his girls have a volleyball game. Tonight, we're doing a special interview with Mr. Tony Massaro. How's it going, Tony? Oh, it's going well. Good to be here. And Tony, I would like to have you explain the band that I've been following for a long time. You could tell me maybe just a little bit about what you're all about and how Tori Max began and all that good stuff. Yeah, this goes well. I'm going to really date myself, but it goes back to the early 80s. And uh, my brothers had always played instruments. They were pretty good. Uh, so my brother Dominic started on bass. My brother Vinny played the drums. And they had a buddy. They used to do Kiss cover tunes. And they were really good. And I had a guitar and I stunk. And because I could never figure out how to play songs. So I figured, you know, well, I'm going to have to write my own songs anyway. So I got into songwriting early. In fact, I still know very few cover tunes. I'm really lousy at finding chords and learning solos, but I've always been able to write, so I study theory, so I kind of took that path. So they played covers. Long before I had a band, I was in college, and I actually came up with the name Tormund Max. There was some, in architecture school, there was an exercise where the instructor had you design a logo using your initials. I had this, what I thought was a cool TM logo. And I kept thinking, you know, I ought to have a, ought to have a band so I could use this logo. Sure. And so just sitting in class one day, just came up with the name. And I thought like, ah, hey, you know, it's kind of cool. You really don't know what it means. And so you would have no preconceived notions. So that's kind of where it was at. And so um, as I was kind of finishing up school, I got more serious about playing the guitar. And then I started, got, got my first Fostex four track, started writing tunes. And this is while my brothers were doing cover, they were in cover bands and playing in okay. uh, clubs, etc. And one day I'm like, Hey, I got these tunes, you know, let's do a demo tape. And so yeah. I, I talked them into it. And from then on, they really loved doing original music. And so we were in Southwest Florida at the time. And then within a couple of years, it's like, well, you know, you're going to be a big band. You got to go to L.A. So we yeah. moved almost L.A. in 87. And that's kind of wow. when we really we hit the ground running. Now, were you part of that big kind of hair band metal scene back in 87 at all? Or did you steer clear of all that stuff? Well, you know what? The Lord never grew our hair that well. So <laughs> I, I, I can remember as a kid, all I ever wanted was long hair. I remember like being, oh, eight or nine years old and seeing it was the Alice Cooper Killers album. Oh and on the back of the album, all five of them, you see the back of them and you see this real, they all have this really long hair. Yeah. And all we, all we ever wanted with kids with long hair but of course having curly hair that grows into an afro it never really worked out that well so unfortunately we never really got into that hair metal scene okay. although and our music had more of a more of a progressive a little heavier so it was sure. never really into 
we we were kind of more like Rush. Yeah, Savage there we go. Guys. And so I never really, I mean, I have a couple of tunes here and there I like other hair metal, but not that, but that was what was popular. And those are the guys that got all the best gigs and the best slots. And so, you know. It's, yeah, interesting. So you guys have a major influence with Rush. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's three of us. And so we all kind of grew up listening to, uh, you know, rock, hard rock. And, you know, Dominic on the bass kind of had sort of his rock, but his direction. And Vinny had his direction. But Rush was kind of the one unifying band that we all loved. Same thing with Iron Maiden. And yeah, there Zappen. you go. We liked all that stuff. But hands down, it was Rush. And I would say Zeppelin, too, were the bands that we were all in common highly esteemed. Hey, that's in my wheelhouse, too. My co-host, the Smuts, he hates Rush, so that's always kind of a running joke on our show. I always bring Rush up or play some of their music, and he gets a little irate, so I keep doing it more. <laughs> so you guys toured as Tormund Max all those years, starting around 87 up till you... Yeah. Yeah, so we did the L.A. scene, um, you know, trying to get a deal like everybody else. So we were offered a couple of smaller deals, but nothing, you know, nothing that was worth signing. Mm-hmm. And never really quite got that major. We got, we got some good, I don't know if you remember years ago, there was the magazine, the local magazine was BAM Magazine. Boy, and if you could get coverage on that, we're featured in one of the Hollywood scene makers. And, oh, wow. you know, we, we did our own, our first independent album in 93 and things Things were really look like they were moving good. I would, you know, we got a nice order from Japan yeah. and then, you know, we never quite landed that, but we played all the local clubs did, you did Orange County, California, Hollywood area, but never really left the Southern California area and never really were able to kind of get over that hump. And mm-hmm. so we slugged it out for a few years and you know from our first album 93 and then by the time you know four or five years later it it just got you know got tiring for everybody and then our first singer really didn't want to do the work anymore and didn't really want to be that involved so then i i took up singing said you know what uh because i wrote all the vocal melodies on the first album anyway and so I figured, you know, I ought to just work at it. So it took a few years. And so I, between our first album in 93 to when we did The Foolishness of God in 2000, I know it's like seven years. I yeah. mean, it took me ever. I did probably re-sang that thing three, four times, was never happy with it. But finally hit a point where I felt like, ah, oh, this is kind of the essence of what, what I think um, th- this should sound like. What's the story behind the Alwyn Kelly thing that you mentioned one time? I think like the low end vocals or something on your first album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what really happened was on our first album, you know, the mistake I made, you know, I had written a lot of the vocals Oh, I wrote all the vocals, but they were too high. So for our singer, Martin. And so um, we actually transposed half of them, but he had a really, really high register. And then one thing I wanted to do was kind of really give it a little bit of overlaying the vocals and kind of having it rather than just a straight rock vocal, having some melodies and harmonies. And so he brought in, he said, oh, I got this guy all in and have him come in. And as it turned out, he had, a, I thought, a really great compliment voice almost had like a I thought 
and uh, like a King's X vibe. We, we, I had just started getting into King's X at the time. Sure, and yeah. I, I always liked the way Pinnock and Tabor's voice worked together. And so as it turned out for the first two albums, we went ahead and used Alwyn. And so I did a lot of, added a lot of the counter melodies and he's a great singer. And I don't know if you know, but Alwyn is the father of Tori Kelly. Oh, wow. She's a pop star, right? Yeah. So yeah. she's huge. And so I always joke, I'm like, I, I'm probably the only person who prefers the dad over the daughter's voice. <laughs> so, I'll tell you a funny story. I can remember doing sessions. So I brought my ADAT machine to his house. He had a little studio. So I brought my ADAT and was having him do some of the vocal parts. And in the other room, there's Tori literally singing all the stuff that he's doing. Now, she could have been more than seven or eight years it's kind of kind of cool now so of course my my daughters think i'm so cool because i know tori kelly's dad (laughs) and they're like well when when, when are you going to let us meet her i'm like ah you know (laughs) but yeah so i thought he made a nice compliment to our sound sure and what what's your favorite song off that first album which is just talking about the universe so far yeah, I would say I, I really like Summer because I think it kind of brought all the elements that I was hoping to bring. So it had a, the, the vocal overlays and the kind of more of the polyphonic vocals where it's two lines going at the same time. Actually, the opening part of Summer, there's like three voices, you know, doing three separate parts. And so that song, got, we ended up transposing it so it was in a more comfortable range. So, you know, Marty had some good parts, some high parts, some low parts, and then all in came in with some strong parts so i think all the elements that i hope to put together kind of it it had a little bit of a prog feel enough of a rock feel and i thought that song everything really came together all right well we're going to play a little clip of that real quick here
on their first album, my favorite song, probably my most favorite song that you guys ever did was Mary. I love that song. Oh, great. Thanks. You know what? That's actually also, so Summer of along that album, Summer and Mary kind of have the same timbre, had the acoustic with the electric behind it. And again, that's another one of the songs that we transposed down after recording it the first time that, again, I thought the vocals kind of came in really nice. I like the lead in there as well. It's kind of simple. There's a lot of, there's some harmonics and some cool overlays in there. I know. I think I got your album through what I kind of read a review in Heaven's Metal magazine. I thought, yeah, yeah, Doug Van Pelt. So I ordered it and I got it and I was like, wow, this is really good. And I was just blown away. It's kind of at a bad time in my life. And that really helped me get through some of those dark days. Yeah. Oh, that's that's encouraging to hear. Played, I still play it today. And you know, I've even brought you guys up in the past in one of our podcasts. I played some of your music. And I think Mary and the Requiem were one of the songs I played. Yeah, yeah, that, that's great. You know, it's funny when you do your own music. I usually rotate Torm and Max like I rotate all my other bands. You know, like it usually <laughs> ends up once a year or every nine months or 15 months or whatever. It'll be like, oh, I, I need to go back and listen to all the Randy Rhodes stuff. Oh, I need to go back and listen to Rush. Oh, it's my Zeppelin phase. And then sure enough, like once a year or so, it'll be like, oh, I'll go back and listen to the Torm and Max stuff. Oh, yeah. What's fun about it is, you know, you, you can fool everyone, but you can't fool yourself. You either go back and listen, either like you what you did years ago or you don't. And so I'm I'm so thankful that I really still like that. I mean, there's spots on every album. It's like, oh, I wish I could have that better. Yeah, yeah. That or there's vocal parts that I cringe on. But by and large, for the most part, it's like, yeah, this this is pretty cool, and I'm yeah. glad we did it. Leave a legacy for the kids, and that that's the beauty of music, you know, long oh, after we're like the music will keep going you know on their second album the foolishness of god i really love that beginning instrumental part of city of man that is just jams i love that yeah so that's off of a, a like this augmented i mean a diminished scale and i was messing around with the scale i kind of came up with that and it's like okay so i want this thing to have a lot of parts it's not a long song but there's a ton of parts. So I always joke, you know, especially in progressive music, it's like, oh, this is a nine minute song, but you can have a nine minute song that's still a simple verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Oh, definitely. And what I, like, what I like about City of Man, it just takes you on a journey and there's very little repetition. It's just literally kind of symphonic going from, from beginning to end. But there's that same thematic scale and, and kind of those tones that carry through the song play a little part of this song i'm just gonna play this just for our audience here and we'll be right back
Okay, Tony, question for you here. Did you guys yeah. ever go on tour for many of these albums? I mean, all four of them or just a few of them or how'd that work? You know, unfortunately, we did not. That's, that's what I mentioned before. It, we were playing a ton between, I would say, between 1990 and 1993, 94. And then, you know, we just felt like we hit a brick wall and the guys wanted to take a break. And I actually traveled overseas just for a couple of months to work. And then, no, so we, we never, I felt like we never really got a chance to tour. I mean, we backed up a couple of decent, large, I think there's a band called The Crucified. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, so we backed up, a, oh, Precious Death, we played, yep. played with them. Seen but those guys in concert. Death, right, there was, but there was never a, an actual fun or interesting tour with a bigger band that we got to go on. So you guys had kind of jobs in between all this and kind of yeah. making the music right. and working and all that fun stuff. Yeah, and then, I mean, we pretty much recorded and paid for everything ourselves. Like I said, we were offered deals, but it's absolutely not worth it, and we wanted to keep the creative control. And so, you know, it was just, it ended up taking, taking a long time to record. You're right, between jobs and, you know, living normal life. And then by the time, you know, the third album came out, it's like, at that point, it was just like, we, we tried to make another run, you know, mm -hmm. playing live, and you just, it, we, we just felt like we were beating our heads into the wall. So it was like, you know what, we'll make the Tormund Max album. This is our presentation of the music and what we have, and then see where it goes from there. So your last album, The Problem of Pain, part one and two, was that all recorded at the same time, or did you mean for it to be a double album, or how'd that work? Well, what happened was, so we finished the second album, and I'd, oh, you know, from being, like, I don't know how old that was, 13, hearing Rush 2112, it's like, ah, that's, I want to make a Rush 2112, and I always wanted to do a concept album, but never felt like I had a story, and then as, you know, it just came like, oh, doing the, doing the book of Job. So pretty much after, right after the year 2000, after the foolishness of God was, had been writing, the thing is it was, was taken forever. You know, it ended up being, you know, by the time we finished part one and part two, and there's like maybe 75, 78 minutes worth of music. And, you know, just doing it a few hours a week, it was just going. So I had a buddy of mine said, oh, why don't you just split it up, do a part one and part two? And it was like, oh, okay, good. So we pretty much had, most of it was written at the same time. And we did the basic tracks, you know, I think we did it in a couple of shifts, but it was just, you know, while part one was being finished up, part two had been in the works. So it took seven years to go oh, from, wow. you know, 2000 to 2007 to get um, part one. But part two was just a couple of years after that. I was able to get that thing done. So, but yeah, okay. it was pretty much one continuous project. It took a long time, but I felt like, you know, as it's turned out, the years you think, you think things are taking long, but once they're done, they're done. And there they are. And so I sure. felt like, you know, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not whatever you think, I wanted to leave, finish wrapping up the recording, thinking like, you know what, this is, I, there's nothing else I could have done. Like, you know, I can't re-sing these things anymore. I can't remix them anymore. And you reach the point once you've done your best, you know, you put it out there and satisfying to know, like, we did our best. Any favorite songs on those albums at all? I would say on part two, for sure, it, it's the first one, Job's Lament. So I wanted to write something like was just super progressive, lots of parts. And so it starts with that keyboard intro mm -hmm. and it, it kind of goes on. And, and the outro solos what is kind of one of my favorite solos that I've done. 
And so, yeah, I would say part one and part two, that one, God Speaks, on part two is an instrumental. And I was pleased. I thought I did some of my, I've never claimed to be the greatest singer, but it's like, well, this is is what I sound like. And so I'm pleased enough with what I was able to do. But I like part one Mm -hmm. where it was, where I was able to really get the singing to a couple of spots it's like oh wow i almost sound like a real singer here (laughs) so yeah i thought you did a really good job i was impressed yeah and so i i would say it would you know the job's second response job's wife i was pretty pleased with the vocal so i would say job's wife is my favorite on part one you know especially where job's wife tells him to curse god and die so getting to sing that and you know what would make you pray to a god who hates you it was it was kind of enjoyable to kind of really let it rip there let's play a little clip of job's wife real quick here Tony, last question about Torment Max here. Do you have any favorite song that you guys like to perform live? Oh, yeah. Hands down was City of Man. So okay. it was, we could really got to hit it hard and fast and, you know, could riff and we kind of riff together as a band. And that would have been my pick, too. Yeah. The other one we did live that I ended up wouldn't have thought, but on the Foolishness album, there's a song called 40 Days. Okay. And yeah. it's just actually Dominic, the bass player, wrote it, and he pretty much played almost everything on that track on the album, even wow. where he was beating on the back of the guitar doing the beat. But anyway, kind of a cool. I, I wrote the lyrics and the, and did the vocals, but he pretty much did everything else on it. When we ended up playing it live, we kind of beefed up the ending and added a really cool solo and a, that thing's just a haunting beat and riff, and so yeah. that ended up being a really fun song to play live. So moving on here, tell us about your solo project, the Tony Massaro Guitar Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. So what happened was, you know, by the time we finished Problem Paint Part 2, everyone was kind of like moving along, not really that into doing Tormund Max. So mm-hmm. uh, my brother Vinny, he does a lot of tribute bands, and he's in a dream theater tribute band. Oh, wow. and so like, you just don't fake your way to be playing Portno- Portnoy drum <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's so. pretty hard. I, I think it's a high compliment. that, And so they've actually got recognized. So they, I, I don't know if he's met him. I think he's met Mike Mangina, oh, wow. the, other, the other drummer. Yeah. But they actually, the dream theater guys know of them and really appreciate and approve of them. So I oh, told him. Awesome. Because I always felt that Vinny was under, very unappreciated, underrated drummer. I thought he did some great stuff for Torment Max. Oh, and yeah. then Dominic, the bass player, 
you know, he's a bass player, but he's a complete musician. So he wanted to write and he did, he did everything from ambient to grunge to stoner rock to all sorts of stuff. So he, he has his own side projects. And so at that point I said, Oh, you know, I'm, I'd always wanted to write instrumental stuff. I said, I, you know, well, first I'd always wanted to write a rock opera. So that's why we did Job. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I always want to write a symphony. So I wrote a symphony um, and just started doing all writing just for instrumental, which is a different, really is freeing in so many ways because, yeah. and I love music, vocal music, but writing for instrumental, you're totally directed and you're free in so many different ways because it's not subordinate to having the vocals take charge. Anyway, so I wrote the symphony and originally I was, I called it the Southern California guitar orchestra. We actually played some live gigs and I actually, although I renamed it, but we did a video where there's a live performance. I built like a bandstand, tried to make it look like a modern bandstand slash orchestra, which was good fun. The problem is, you know, I always enjoyed playing with the brothers, three of us. It was easy and convenient we got you know yeah. but boy doing a whole orchestra ended up being a ton of work i seen your video you have on youtube that's pretty neat yeah yeah so we really enjoyed it i'm really proud of the way that video came out so as far as a touring mechanism it's like ah this is great but as i've always done because i just love recording i went back and said i'm going to keep doing recorded music yeah. so really the, the tony massaro guitar orchestra is really an extension it, it's basically the kind of switching over from the southern california guitar orchestra and so from there i so i've done that project and i, I did the reason i did it that way it was you know what Tormund max was unabashedly christian it was all about faith-based music, a relationship with Christ. Sure. You know, the Tony Orchestra was like, no, it's just instrumental. So it's not really, you know, yeah. take it for what it is. And so I did a whole bunch of instrumental. So I did release one album that's called Who Are These Guys? Okay. And then since then, the main project I'm doing now is, it's called Six String Immersion. Oh, wow. And so we've got a, I mean, not a huge, I don't know what, 13,000 or so followers on Instagram now. But so I make videos, uh, Bible videos with, and it's still the same music. And if anyone who's ever heard Tormund Max, you're going to hear these things and you're going to think like, oh, I could tell this guitar player. So yeah. it's pretty much the instrumental style of music. But what I like about it is they're making longer format now, but it was really fun having to write one minute or two minute or really short pieces. You know, originally of Instagram feed was 60 seconds. Now they've extended it. They've extended, I don't know if you do much work with Instagram. So that's kind of where my main focus is now. Okay. And what I've been doing, what's, what's fun about it is I've gotten into making videos. My goal in life is not to be this big, video maker. What's really interesting about it is you realize, and I've talked to my brother Dominic a, a lot about this, it's like when you make music, people have to consume the music, right? Yes. So you consume music differently. Like I can be working and hearing music in the background, you know, you consume music. If you're in a retail store, the music's in the background. You can consume it by going to a concert and just focusing on it. So people, music is just used and consumed in so many different ways. And so uh, I thought like, oh, I might be fun to do um, short videos with Bible verses and Bible narrations. And oh, wow. so, yeah. so we have a page, uh, I'm on, I haven't spent a lot of time on YouTube and TikTok, although we're up there, but right now our main focus is on um, Instagram. And so I pretty much, we post a video every day. Oh, wow. So they're short, they're short one minute videos 
And sometimes they have narrations, but it's it's basically Bible readings or Bible meditations, I like to call them. Uh, but with, and some people really like the hard rock format. You know, it's not all hard rock, but it ranges. But it's guitar. So the theme of it is it's called six string immersion, and hopefully you're you're immersed. You, you know, you're you're reading the Bible. That's kind of just set in within the guitar. And, you know, the, the tagline on our profile is, you know, it's Psalm 150, verse 4, like, praise him with stringed instruments. So everybody, you know, we all have the ability to praise God in different ways. It's like, well, you know what, I play the six string. I like doing lots of guitar overlays, and so that's how I've done it. So, yeah, so that's pretty much where we focus. And as things come full circle, I'm actually working on a Job so I've partnered with, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Kingstone Bible, but it's like a, like a comic Bible. Where oh, yeah. Right now, if you go to our uh, Instagram page at Six String Immersion, I have a five-part series where we did Elijah and the Prophets of Baal. So I was able to license their artwork and wow. tell the story of Elijah. So use, using kind of the music that I like, but having imagery that was done by Kingstone. So that worked out really well. In fact, those are some of our most popular posts. So what I'm doing now is I've got probably try to break them into like minute to two minute segments. But it's, so it's going to be about 35 minutes, but it is the book of Job using the Kingstone Bible imagery. And as it turns out, I'm using the problem of pain. So I've remixed it, retweaked some parts. And so using the music as the backdrop of, from Torm and Max, mm-hmm. now visually, so I'm calling it a, an animatic rock opera. So it's, kind of, so it's more like anime slash animatic. So it's oh, just, wow. you know, you take still images, but between panning it and fading and doing various tricks on it, you kind of you, you make it come alive again. So it's not mentioned, not meant to be live action. Yeah. But as it turns out, the animatic is is an interesting art form that I quite like, and so I think it works well. Yeah. And so one of my regrets had been from the, the Problem of Pain albums. You know, we would get reviews, and not many people would know it was even a concept album or a mm-hmm. story. And I had always felt like, oh, I wish I wish I would have put some narration or done something to make it feel like you were listening through a story. Mm-hmm. So what's nice now, after all these years with this thing I'm doing with the Kingstone images, is actually there's a visual now to go with the music. So I'm wow. pretty excited about. And so I'm probably uh, probably sixty seventy percent of the way done. It's going to be a few more months before okay. that gets completed. But I'm looking forward to releasing that as you know it's a video plus it's the music okay well i'm gonna play a song that i thought was really cool it was called melkor's rebellion the curse of middle earth and when we come back i'd like you to explain a little bit about this here tony sure
seeks to draw others to himself. He weaves his own ideas of dissonance into the music of his creator, Eru. In response, Eru takes this turbulent sea of sound and remakes it. He creates a richer and more beautiful song. Melkor's disharmonies only act to enhance the depth and beauty of Middle Earth. So explain a little bit about this song. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, like, oh, you know, I wanted to write all instrumental music. I, I did the Southern California Guitar Orchestra, then the Tony Massaro Guitar Orchestra released two um, albums with instrumentals. And then it was like, you know, I hadn't literally had not sung. Yeah, and then the Melkors was just done in 2020. So it had been about 10 years since I wrote any vocal melodies. It wow. did any. I said, you know, I want to go ahead and, and give it a shot and, and rock it out. And so because it was the Tony Massaro Guitar Orchestra, it was like, you know, yeah, I want everything I do to, to be Christ-centered and ha- have a good positive theme or, or, or God at the center of it. But it's like, you know, this is Tony Massaro Guitar Orchestra. I'm not necessarily trying to make it a Tormund Max lyric. Yeah. But I felt like, you know, I wanted to pull out and get a Tolkien theme. There you go. And so, I said, you know what, I could kind of, we, we can split the difference here. And so actually, and I had heard about this, uh, I had not read it, but I heard it in some lectures and then I did some research. The whole idea of Melkor's Rebellion is that it was this whole idea where the creator God, he creates music and then Melkor in rebellion wants to make his own sound and he introduces dissonance. And so then the creator God comes back and he takes that dissonance and he adds it to the music and he creates a whole new beauty of it. And wow. it's a whole, it's, it's brilliant the way, I, I'm doing a lousy paraphrase, but it's brilliant the way Tolkien really did the creation story and kind of, he did the story of Satan's fall and how Satan tried to, obviously he's Lucifer and he's the greatest created angel, right? And he, he wants to be God and that's his rebellion. So that's the whole theme of that, you know, that God takes that rebellion, he takes that dissonance, and he creates an even further beauty of it. Wow, that's pretty intense right there. Yeah, yeah, no, oh, Tolkien, it, yeah, it's nothing that I came up with, but I thought, like, this is a great story. I almost felt like you could have done a whole, you know, a whole album on it, or a whole, yeah. you know, rock opera on that, but like yeah. I said, it was I was just trying to get my feet wet and saying, ah, do I want to? And then part of me wonders, and we've talked about, oh, should we re- remix it and rework it and re-release it as Tormund Max? I have some other stuff. The guys have talked about wanting to, you know, do some music, and you just get so busy. I'm running an architectural firm here. So I do have a lot of stuff in the can, but we just haven't kind of gotten there yet. Well, I'm going to play one of my favorites that I listened to, really like. It was called A Turbulent Ride.
Tim, I'm going to wind this down here pretty soon here. i got a few more questions for you. Now, real quick before, on a turbulent ride, so if you go to our Six String Immersion Instagram page, or you can find Six String Immersion on YouTube, I use that song for the first kings, Elijah and the Prophets of Baal. And so it's just, a, I thought it was the perfect tune for telling that story. So um, now that you've heard the story, I recommend go, go watch the video and see what kind of vibe it gives you. Oh, definitely. I, that really stuck out when I listened to some of your other tunes. I was like, I really like this song. So I'm going to go back and listen to some more of that stuff. Yeah, that's really creative. So everybody out there, go listen to this now. So Tony, who's your favorite guitarist of all time? Pretty, I would say hands down, Randy Rhodes. Okay, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. So I was totally into, I actually, I liked the, the Diary of a Mad Men album better than the first one. I was fortunate enough to see him in concert and, um, and it was actually, it was right after he passed away. I remember reading an interview in, I think it was Guitar World. And that really is what spurred me on to want to play guitar. Yeah. He inspired a lot, a lot of guitarists. I think him and Eddie Van Halen are two guitarists. You always hear brought up in interviews. Yeah. I know he played some pretty good mean guitar and quiet right in the 70s, but I think he really started to shine a lot more with Ozzy in the early 80s. Yeah, he did. However, I will tell you, there's a couple of tracks and a couple of solos on the Quiet Riot stuff that are really, really good. That it's like, wow, you could hear it. And I put it up there with some of my favorite Ozzy stuff. I like the Ozzy, the overall songs better with Ozzy, but there's a couple of solos. I think the one in Look Into Your Window or something like, I don't yeah, know exactly. I know exactly. Yeah, that song is really good. I know what you're talking about. Go back and listen to that solo, and I'm like, wow. That is probably one of my favorite ones of, that he's done of any of his work. Oh, wow, yeah. I, that song really stuck out. I remember when I had kind of a compilation of their 70s stuff, and I really liked that one. Tony, if you could open a show up for any artist, who would it be? I would say I think King's Act. His guys are good. I love those guys. I really like their earlier stuff more than their newer stuff, and I do think they are going to put out a new album at some point. Yeah, they've been talking about it. My favorite, what I liked about them was far more of the dual vocals and the overlays yeah, yeah. and the things like that. And they've mentioned that that's what they plan on doing for um, this new album. So, yeah, yeah they, they would be fun to open for. Yeah, I've seen those guys open up for Dio a long time ago. I was like, we went to the show to see King's X, not Dio. But, you know, they were both pretty good, but I really love King's X. Yeah. So, last question here, Tony. What's next for you? Ah, uh, good question. I would say, um, well, for sure what's next is the re-release of the story of Job with the animatic video. So that's in the, the nearest future. And I've got a handful of tracks that I'm still trying to determine because the guys keep saying, oh, well, we don't have to make a whole Tormund Max album. Let's just do a couple of singles. So I'm seriously considering putting a single or two out on that. But for sure, I've got a bunch more instrumentals and I really enjoy working with Kingstone and making these videos. So I've got a series on Daniel that's going to be coming up. Okay. Wow. So you got a lot on your plate here coming up. Yeah. You know what? I like to play and I tell, I'm sure, you know, I tell everyone, I told my kids, yeah, when someone plays an instrument in their teens or twenties, you know, it doesn't always necessarily mean they like music. I said, once you hit 30, 
someone's still playing their guitar in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond, it means they really like to play. And so as long as I'm able to, I'll I'll play. Plus, I've got the gear, got to pretty much figure out how to record, um, you know, digitally. So it's it's just a case of getting to it now. But yeah, I don't don't plan on stopping as long as as my fingers work, I'm going to keep playing. Yeah, I kind of had to retire the drums pretty much after doing the podcasting, and I'm just kind of getting busy with the kids and all that stuff, and I just didn't have time to play anymore, and I'm probably too rusty to even pick it up, but, you know, I still love music, and we do this Headbangers Vault podcast, and it still keeps me in the world of music. There you go. That's that's a good thing. Tony, I appreciate you coming in to the studio here. Got some awesome music, man. It's great. I've been a fan of you guys for a long time, and thank you for putting my name in your linear notes on your second album. Yeah, in fact, I think I still have your B1 bomb letter. I have kept all the letters from <laughs> you used to get from the Heaven's Metal time. Yeah. And so, in fact, I'm, I, I may see how convenient it is to dig up. But, yeah, no, I appreciate it. it you know, when you always... You always hope when you make music, because we, we realized early on, you know, how many people do you, 10 people tell you they like your music or a hundred people or a thousand, like how many is it will you need before you feel like you're fulfilled or satisfied? And, you know, we never went on that big tour, got that big deal, but it's been satisfying and we've had enough people, you know, our goal was to make music we believed in, we really loved and that other people enjoyed and it affected them and we've, we've achieved that. So I definitely feel satisfied with that. Definitely. I agree completely i would have felt the same way if i would have continued on with the music but you know the real world gets in the way sometimes and you know you got to go elsewhere but it's great to have all these hobbies and if you have time to do them hey it's great to be able to get out there and do it all i hear you so thank you tony very much and i'm hoping we can get you on sometime maybe do a show yeah no that's great and i'll hit you up when the joke thing's ready i'll make sure you get a sneak preview oh definitely i'd appreciate that i can't wait for that i'm gonna go online and check some more of your stuff out yeah yeah like i said we're the six string immersion it we're on tiktok instagram youtube and so it's uh, you know i got my kids to get me here into the 21st century it's like <laughs> yeah i know how that is at my house yeah okay well thank you tony very much we appreciate you coming on the show you're welcome i'm uh, looking forward to hearing it here in the podcast everybody out there like share follow on our social media outlets check the headbangers vault out and until next time everybody god bless and we'll see you then thank you for listening to the headbangers vault bring you the best in rock and metal music and music talk with your host, B1 Bomb and the Smuts. Check us out on your social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you'd be interested in being a part of our show or advertising with us, please visit our webpage at headbangersvault.podbean.com. And remember, if it's too loud, you're too old.